Good evening. It's a Snake River Lib podcast. It's uh, November 19th, um, just a little over a week before Thanksgiving and just um, just a little over a month since uh, Columbus Day. Um, one of those things, those two things are going to come in. So let's just dive right in and talk about them, right? Of course, Columbus Day has become very much a, a big controversy in the United States these days, uh, uh, probably elsewhere, simply because of the furor uh, surrounding, um, you know, what Columbus did or didn't do, and and more importantly, what happened because Columbus came over with his tuberculosis and smallpox infects the blankets. That's a lie, by the way. They may have been infested, but not intentionally so, which is what people would have you believe. And so let's just talk about Columbus for a little bit, and then we'll talk about the pilgrims, and then we're going to get to the main event and how that all ties together. So Columbus comes over, uh, 1492, right? Columbus sailed the ocean blue, uh, landed on Hispaniola. Now, Columbus uh, was not a saint, even though I, I'm not sure if he's been granted a sainthood or not. It's irrelevant to this conversation. Um, he lands on Hispaniola, and that begins what becomes the conquest of Central and South America by the Spaniards. Um, First of all, just point out, Spaniards didn't do it alone. They did not conquer the Aztecs by themselves, Cortez. Uh, his little band of people would have been slaughtered by the Aztecs had he attacked on his own. Uh, Cortez was joined by, by uh, many, many warriors of tribes who had served the purpose of providing human sacrifices for the Aztecs uh, for who knows how long. And they were looking for an opportunity to not have to put their best and uh, up for um, sacrifice on a cloudy day. Uh, so, so you know, the the natives, the Indians, uh, certainly were not um, living in some utopian paradise, even on the islands of the Caribbean. Uh, they were often at war with each other. Some of them were even cannibals. Uh, so just, you know, put that into your u list of utopian uh, um, characteristics of the natives uh, as Columbus came. And that was before Columbus came, by the way, that they were that way. Now, having said that, um, Columbus did was human. And he came from, an, from a viewpoint of superiority. You're not going to argue that. And the whole point of it isn't about that. Uh, the whole point is, is is that when Columbus landed, that began a whole episode, and I've documented this before in the in the lib, the written lib, uh, in in that it was foreseen by a prophet of God um, millennia before, um, nearly two thousand years before, uh, that he would be the one that would start the way for the Gentiles um, to come across and to the Western Hemisphere. And so fast forward from Columbus uh, to Thanksgiving coming up right around the corner. And of course, we celebrate Thanksgiving as a day of thanks, right? It's kind of in the name. And who are we thanking? We're thanking God uh, for the bounty that he has given us in this great land. Uh, we thank him for the harvest. We thank him for friendships and for families that we have. Today, of course, it's not so much wrapped around us having had a lucky harvest, um, like it probably 
well, it wasn't a lucky harvest. It was a bountiful harvest, and it was a blessed harvest uh, for the pilgrims, but it almost didn't happen. And this is something that you probably don't hear about too often in your history books. But here's the facts. You know, when the pilgrims first landed, they wanted to try a communal experiment. They all agreed that they would all they would build one shelter, that they would all live in this shelter, and that when springtime came around, that they would all plant and that they would they would all contribute to a single pool where they would eat together, they would farm together, and that every, everybody would go. And, and this they had a very similar creed to the uh, a creed that we've heard in the 20th century and even the late 19th century. You know, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. And the pilgrims found out, you know, 150 years before Marx, that that when you give somebody an out by saying to each according to his need, people tend to take it, and they become needier, and then it be then the race is on, right? Because people want to people say, "Hey, I'm not going to sit out there, and I'm not going to break my back out there in the sun and the humidity because so and so is over there not feeling well today." Don't get me wrong, I'm all for a safety net for people that truly need it, but just, you know, just like during the time when, when people would rather collect unemployment and get a little bit less money than go out and try to get a job, even if it didn't pay as much as their old job did, it's the same principle. Tell people they don't have to work and they will be provided for, and guess what people will do? Not everybody. Not Everybody, but a lot of people will. And so, what was the net result of that of that first year of the Pilgrims uh, there in 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 um, in Plymouth? Now, well, half of them starved. Um, half of them died. Uh, it was so bad that as the spring came around, um, they decided that instead of having everything in common, they were going to divide the land, and that each family was going to have a plot that they could build on if they'd like, that they could farm, and, and that they, while they did have to contribute to a community storehouse, um, that they could farm and they could keep the rest that they had. And maybe they could even trade some of their produce for something that somebody else had. You know, there's lots of stuff. You know, you have tanners, you have you have blacksmith, you have all sorts of stuff that needs to be done and all sorts of things that people can do uh, to trade goods and food with each other. When you have ownership of it, and that's really the that's really the key, isn't it? When you own things and they belong to you, you're more likely, and when you earn them, you're more likely to 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 uh, take responsibility for them and to take care of them and to try to increase because you know that 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 is yours. Not everybody, of course, it's the same thing. Now, of course, people, when you start talking about capitalism, they're going to talk about crony capitalism. They're going to talk about being in bed with government. And just like, just like there is no pure as the driven snow communist society where there is no, there is no Politburo, there is no head of state where everybody lives together in peace and harmony, um, just like there is none of that, there is also, there, you know, there is also no, no nation where where capitalism is, is exists that is not in bed with the government.
I'll make that very clear because that is, that's really the state that we're in today. And, and so, so they were practicing communism before communism was a thing. They were practicing communism before the first communist revolution in the Western world, which was the French Revolution. If you look at the French Revolution, it's very much uh, like the Bolshevik Revolution in, in the early 20th century. Um, chaos and anarchy abounds until, of course, you have, you know, and this is this is the problem, you know, you, you need somebody to take control. And usually when they take control, they take control of an iron fist. It was Napoleon after after the French Revolution, and it was um, uh, Lenin and Stalin after the Bolshevik Revolution in, in the Soviet, what became the Soviet Union. Today, I think that we have a misunderstanding in this nation. We take too many things for granted. We take rights for granted. We, we believe that we have all these rights, and that we believe that because we have been taught that these rights are God-given. Now, I do want to clarify one thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately, um, because frequently the term has been interchanged with the, the term in the Declaration. Of course, the term in the Declaration is granted by their creator certain inalienable rights. I know that's not the exact quote, but that's uh, essentially what it is. These rights were given by God, not by government, but by God. But many people um, in their in their attempts to, to, they will say, well, these are also referred to as natural rights. And in the philosophy, that is true. Here's the flaw with that problem. Here, here's the flaw with that with that, with that theory, what natural rights do you have in nature? When were these rights protected before England, where everybody had a say, where 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 you didn't have whoever was whoever had the biggest army, or whoever was the the biggest bully, didn't run the run the run things until they were overthrown. You know, the, the sad fact is, and this is something that people do not learn today, and if they do, they just choose to ignore it because they think that, that what we have in this country and uh, a few others is something that will continue onward, is that the vast majority of the human experience has been one of despotic rulers, ruler uh, leadership, whether it was by a dictator, whether it was by a king, whether it was by some warlord um, or whether it was peasants just trying to live and they had to pay the bandits every time they came by. Ask them about their rights, by the way. Are we perfect in this country? Of course not. I freely acknowledge that. I freely acknowledge that, that, that there are people that are racist. Whoop-de-doo. Okay. If we were not hammering totally by those on the left, and particularly the civil rights hustlers, and you know who they are, the Al Sharptons of the world, the Jeremiah Wrights of the world, um, if they would not keep bringing it up, people might realize that it's not nearly as big of a deal as, as, we have, as it had been once upon a time. Our schools uh, in... Primarily minority areas, are they poor compared to other schools? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Kansas City. Well, I grew up in Parkville in, in the Kansas City area. You know, we had a great school district in Park Hill, 
And what happened in the Kansas City, Missouri School District? They kept voting down every every attempt to raise money to to improve their schools, to to buy supplies for their kids. The the school district every time they put a bond or something up is voted down. And so at what point do you say, you know, I mean, was it segregated? It was not legally segregated, but it was de facto segregation. I'm not going to lie. You know, and that happens in probably in most major cities um, around this country where you have a an area that is that is an inner city area that it has a primarily is an underclass. And so they are underserved by their schools. Now. Don't get me wrong. Many of those school districts are some of the are some of the wealthiest school districts in the nation when you consider the amount of money they receive per capita per student. All right, so you have to wonder why those school districts are failing, and that's a cultural issue, and that's not something I'm going to get into right now because it's diverting the attention from where we're going. We have rights, and you have a right uh, once, you know, Pursuit of Happiness was originally written as, as property. Uh, it was changed because, you know, those slave-owning, uh, racist, bigoted homophobes uh, that wrote the Declaration of Independence and later the Constitution, you know, they hated, they hated blacks, and no, they did not. No, 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 they did not. They realized that slavery was wrong. But for them to put together a coalition that would work, they could not just arbitrarily walk away from it. So they changed property to pursuit of happiness, but it's the same thing. The only way that you can improve your lot is when you have a capital base, when you are able to save some of what you have earned and be able to to pay it forward, so to speak. It is with that then when when you begin to prosper. When you're eking out an existence year to year, um, and you don't know where your next meal is coming from in the doldrums of wintertime, then that becomes a problem. Just like the pilgrims, just like just like everybody who has lived in a hunting hunting gathering society. You know, you hope that the winter ends before your food supply runs out. But instead, in the more capitalist society, you uh, have reserves, hopefully. But like I said, I'm not really talking about that. I want to talk about socialism. Because this is where the rub is. You know, when when the United States grew and it grew and it grew, uh, um, Indians, Native Americans, if you will, were displaced. Right? They, the you know... Uh, even though the United States uh, set up treaties, real treaties, you know, treaties that were ratified by Senate, not pretend treaties uh, that we have today, but real treaties, um, the United States broke them. You know, the, the 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 need to grow, the need to produce, you know, and they so so what happened? The government gave would give land to the railroads, you know, the right of ways for railroads to build a transcontinental railroad. You know, they gave land to the Union Pacific uh, along either side of the rails. Now, they took that land from Indians, of course. Um, you know, whether or not there was a treaty protecting it. Farmers were, were encouraged to settle the plains and other sections where they were given 
acreage by the government. Remember, by the way, government doesn't give anything without taking it from somebody else. And this is really the important thing, you know, just back to the whole rights argument, right? If you're on a deserted island, you know, you can claim that you have a right to health care and you have a right to shelter and a right to free education, you know, but if there's nobody there to teach you and if there's nobody to take care of your wounds, how's that human right working out for you? We have perverted the word rights in this case to the point where it really doesn't mean anything, where we say everything is a right. You know, I have a right to this. I have a right to that. I have a right to the other. Instead of saying, okay, I have a right to live, right, because we do, you know, now governments can take that away. Individuals can take that away. But when you're trying to live in a society, a free society, that's one of those that's protected. You have a right to be free. And don't get me started on the slaves. We all know about that. I'm not going there because that's not the point of what I'm talking about today. The United States more than paid that bill. Hundreds of thousands of people paid that price. And for the fact is, the vast majority of people that are in the United States today do not trace their heritage from before the Civil War in the United States. They came to the United States afterwards. So how are you going to hold them to account for slavery? I went there, didn't I? I'm sorry. Um, I want to talk about, because this is the, here's the epiphany that I had. All of you who, who, who are, are socialist-minded, who think that it's okay for the government to take from those who have abundance and to give to those that don't. I want to tell you that many of those people, maybe you, if you're one of those people, are also one of those people who are complaining about how the Indians were robbed. Well, guess what? It was people that are just doing what you want that took the land from the Indians at gunpoint. It was the government that took that land. It was the government that forced Indians into land perceived to be of little value. So that white settlers could be given by the government homesteads and right-of-way for rails. I love it when phones ring. I'm just going to try to go through this, and hopefully uh, we're just going to pause just for a moment. I don't know really how to do that. I Actually, I do. So we're pausing just for a moment for the phone. That wasn't too bad. So... All of you who who complain about what has happened to the Native American and who demand an Indigenous Peoples Day to celebrate 
the Native American instead of a Columbus Day where he came over with smallpox infested blankets and purposely wiped out half the population, which is a lie, by the way. That was sarcasm. If you support socialism, then you're on the wrong side. Because the government took from them to give to somebody else. The Indians had an abundance of land that somebody else wanted. And so the government took it from them. You know, I've not read that before. Um, I, I, I can't imagine it's a, a new and unique idea, but I've not read it before. So ponder that. Those of you who stand in solidarity with Indians, Native Americans, in regards to their land and treaties that have been violated. If you also are a progressive and you support socialism, then you're standing on both sides. Because the federal government of the United States of America did to the Native Americans whom you support what they want to do to the wealthy in this nation today. There's no difference. So which side are you on, progressives? How do you feel about Native American Day now? Because you support Columbus. You support railroading the Indians onto those Indian reservations so you could have that land to give to somebody else. That's your philosophy. Where do you stand? This is a Snake River Lib podcast. Thank you for listening. And remember, when asking, should the government, the answer is almost always no. Oh, and taxation is theft. <laughs>